0: How's everybody doing? I'm good. I'm seeing some familiar faces. I feel like this is super weird behind this big thing. But anyways, that's okay. Um, Cool. Well, it's good to see all you guys. Um, Everybody got a handout, I guess. Um, So my name is Sarah Corliss. I know most of you here, but there are a few new faces, I think. So, um, yeah, I am super excited for the passage tonight. And... Um, as I've been studying through it, it's just been super interesting to me and really challenging, so I hope you guys are challenged as I have been um, with this. But I will pray to start us off, if you guys don't mind. Heavenly Father, I just um, I thank you for today, Lord, another day to um, to wake up, Lord, for each one of us. And, Lord, just as each of us ladies have been going about our day, Lord, whether we've been at work or, um, with friends or family or whatever we've been up to today, Lord, I just, um, I thank you for bringing us all together here tonight. Uh, Lord, I just ask that we would, uh, put aside the distractions of the day, Lord, and, um, just come before you with open hearts and minds to study your word. Um, Lord, just, I pray that you would use me, um, as we study this passage and, uh, We pray all these things in your name, Jesus, amen. All right, um, so if you guys want to, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Um, So Luke chapter 14, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background. Um, Jesus, so this is another parable we're going to be studying tonight, and Jesus has, um, been eating at the house with some of, some Pharisees. So this is kind of where he's at. He's at one of the Pharisees' house, and they're all eating together. And I'm going to start in verse 12. So chapter Luke 14, verse 12. And um, I will just go ahead and read the whole thing, and then we'll kind of go into it. So if you want to follow along, you can. Um, chapter or Verse 12. He also said to one to the one who had invited him. When you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, because they might invite you back, and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Verse 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, The one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God is blessed. Then he told him, A man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his slave to tell those who were invited, Come, because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married, and therefore I'm unable to come. So the slave came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his slave, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. Master, the slave said, What you ordered has been done, and there's still room. Then the master told the slave, Go out into the highways and lanes, and make them come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of these men who are invited will enjoy my banquet. So this is kind of the, the passage that we're going to be working out of tonight. Um, and if I was looking at, in studying this, I guess I was looking a little bit in Luke 14, in Luke chapter 14 prior to this parable. And it's interesting because <coughs> Jesus has been talking to the Pharisees and he's been addressing four different kinds of people. Um, And so the four different kinds of people he addresses in chapter 14, the first one is inflexible people. Um, The second are people who are prideful. Um, The third, which we saw in verses 12 and 14, are people who are invited to a banquet. And then the section that we're going to be focusing on is people who are indifferent or people who don't care. So it was just kind of interesting to me to see that Jesus is addressing these four different types of people. Um, And so then we find ourselves in verse 15 um, of the parable of the large banquet. So, uh, the first the first kind of section just in verses 15 through 17 um, is where the, we see the dinner is prepared and offered. And I don't know about you guys, but when I was reading through this, I just was kind of picturing this in my mind. And I want you guys to picture um, a large banquet. So, in my mind, I think of like a wedding reception or something like that. Um, and Banquets in Jesus' day might have been a little bit different than what we would consider a large banquet today, but there are also a lot of similarities um, in what I was looking at. So just think about like the effort that that is put into planning a large banquet, um, just all the planning and preparation that goes into that, uh, invitations that would be sent out. So maybe something like an RSVP. You know, You'd plan ahead. You'd send out invitations. You'd make them up. You would pick who you were going to invite. Um, and then the special food. And something that I, was, I found interesting when I was looking into this, um, back then, preparing food for a banquet was a lot of work. I mean, it is today, too, but you can't just call up your caterer and say, hey, I need 20 more sandwiches, you know? I mean, it wasn't as easy as that. They had to, based on how many people were coming, they had to decide what they were going to have, if they were going to kill a calf or have, you know, whatever type of meat they were going to have. They had to plan that ahead of time and know, hey, you know, I've got to actually kill this animal, prepare it, cook it. It took a lot longer than just, um, than it probably would today. So things like that, as far as just the preparation for a large banquet was huge back in, back in the day. Um, And so as we go through this parable, just kind of have that picture in your mind, um, and it kind of helps play out as we go. Um so as we look at verses 15 through uh, 15 through 17 um, in 15 he says when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things he said to him the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God is blessed um, so i had to ask myself what is the kingdom of God um, or the kingdom of heaven and in scripture the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are kind of are used interchangeably a lot um, so in the present, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven would be referring to Christ um, here in this, in this sense, I guess Christ in the present, um, or Christ here on earth. But then the future sense of the kingdom of God would be when he returns, when he comes back um, for, to make a new heaven and a new earth, and we have the final banquet. Um, and all throughout this parable, I would like you guys to think of the master as representing God or Christ. Um, And you don't want to go too far with, I mean, parables are great to study, but you don't want to go too far with, you know, analyzing everything and making everything mean something. But for this sake, um, Christ and God is referred to as a master in a lot of areas of Scripture. So it kind of helps to think of it that way. Um, So as we see in verse 16 and 17, there are two invitations that are given. So the first one would be similar to, like, a save the date that you would send out. Um, like, you would, the master sends out, it says in verse 16, it says, um, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. So he chooses who he's going to invite. He sends out the save the dates, you know, hey, I'm having my banquet at this certain time, this date, everybody, just so you know, like, set it aside. Um, and then the second invitation is in verse 17, verse um, where he sends out his slave to tell those who were invited, kind of a second invitation to say, hey, remember, like, it's tomorrow. <laughs> are you going to come? Um, so I found that interesting that there are two invitations given. Um, so then as we move forward into verses 18 through 20, um, the invite is rejected and there are excuses made. And I don't know about you guys, but I found this really funny um, because they're super lame excuses. So just listen to this. okay? So in verse uh, 18, but without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Okay. Um, so and no, verse 19, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And verse 20, another said, I just got married, and therefore I'm unable to come. Um so, these excuses, at first I was like looking at these, I'm like, what is this? Like, these guys are, who would reject a nice, like, wonderful banquet to just go tend to their oxen and look at the field that they just bought? I don't know. Um, so, the three excuses involve their money or their investments, their possessions, and like their spouse or their family. Um, and so if we think of, like, the first excuse in verse 18, I was looking at it, and I was kind of I was re- looking into, like, I didn't know if back in the day, if, you know, buying land, if there was some historical significance to that. Um, and I found that in the Middle East, no one buys a field without examining it thoroughly, just similar to, like, what we would do here in Montana. You don't just go out and buy a piece of land without seeing it or knowing what's on it. Um, and so it would be foolish of him to, to make this excuse, or to even say this. Um, it's an obvious lie. And basically, th- this guest, this first guest, is stating that it's, the field is more important to him than going to this banquet and spending time with the master. Um, so it's kind of an insult, in a, in a way. Um, the second excuse, in verse 19, is also an insult, like the first one. He says, "I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. Um, this would be like going. This would be like calling your friend and saying um, you'll be late for a huge banquet that they've prepared, that, or for a huge like party or dinner party that they've prepared weeks in advance that you've committed to going to because you have to go check out five new cars that you bought without really." looking at them first. You know, I don't, it just doesn't even make sense. It's like, why would you buy oxen in without looking at them and then, um, and then making an excuse? So that's another insult, like the first one. And the third excuse um, is the guy says he's married, so he has to go spend time with his wife. Um, my question would be, if you want to spend time with your wife, why did you accept the invitation in the first place, or why don't you just bring your wife with, with you? Um, And he doesn't even say, please, the third guy. The other guys say, I ask you to excuse me. And the third guy just says, sorry, I'm out. (laughs) Um, So these three excuses, all of them, I was looking at them. And at first I was thinking, OK, these are super lame excuses. Um, But I realized that all three of them pretty much boil down to these these guys are saying, I have something better to do than to come to your banquet. Um, What I'm doing is more important than that. And um, I was thinking about this, and I was realizing, wow, like, how often do I make excuses for, um, for not accepting the Lord's invitations to, whether it's read his word or go talk to others about him? Um, I, I just feel like I had to ask myself, like, what excuses do I make today? Am I too busy? Am I too tired? Uh, do I have too much going on? I think... I think we can all relate to that in some way. I know in my own life, especially like when I was in school, um, it's really easy to say, "Oh, like I don't have time to be in God's Word daily, or I don't have time to wake up. I stayed up too late doing homework, or um, just be lazy with or selfish with my time." Um, And so that was convicting to kind of see. At first, I was like, "Oh, these guys are just lame. You know, what are what are they doing?" But I see myself in in a lot of ways in those excuses. so I encourage you guys to just think about that as we kind of go through this. Um, and so then we, we kind of move into verse 21 through 23. And um, verse 21 says, So the slave came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his slave, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame master the slave said what you have ordered has been done and there's still room then the master told the slave go out into the highways and lanes and make them come in so that my house may be filled um this is probably this is a really cool section probably one of my favorites um just in showing the character of the master and um that he accepts or he i guess yeah accepts this offer to everyone he invites everyone Um, In verse 21, he says, um, then in anger, the master of the house told his slave. And at first I thought, oh, man, like, is this guy just really hot-tempered? Is he, you know, what reason does he have to really be angry? Um, But I think anger would have been a natural or a, a just response to these three insults that he's just been given. They weren't just excuses. They were pretty much insults in his face saying, rejecting his offer. Um, so since since the invited guests refused to come, the master brings in the undesirables. And it is so interesting to see, you know, he, at first he says, um, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the, the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. Um, And so this, back in that day, this would have represented um, kind of the undesirables of the Jewish, in the Jewish nation, um, the undesirable Jews within the house of Israel. And so he gives the command to bring in these outcasts um, that are exactly opposite of the first three guys. If you think about it, the first guy, um, he... He, if he was a rich, obviously these guys are rich if he has money to buy land. And so um, he says, bring in the poor instead of the rich. Bring in the poor who aren't normally invited to banquets. And then bring in the crippled or the maimed who wouldn't be able to normally go like, test oxen or be capable of things. Um, and then bring in the blind and the lame. And back then, the blind and the lame normally probably wouldn't have been married. And so it's just interesting how the master goes completely against the first three guests and invites the complete opposite type of person to his banquet because he knows that they can't repay him and they don't. Um, he doesn't want to be repaid necessarily, uh, but he knows that they'll come. And so then after that he opens it up to the guests um, from the highways and hedges in verse 23. Um, Go out into the highways and the lanes and make them come in so that my house may be filled. Um, And so the the guests from the highways and hedges would have been even a further um, invitation to the Gentiles. So at first he was talking to the outcast Jews, and then he even opens it up further to the Gentiles. Um, And the Gentiles back then would have been the extreme outsiders. Um, In Acts 13.46... I'll just read it quick. Um, Paul and Barnabas talk, speak of this as well. Um, Acts 13, 46. Then Paul and Barnabas boldly said, It was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have appointed you as a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Um, it's just really neat that the Lord opens this up to everybody. Um, it's not just to the Jews. Um, and so seeing how it's easier for the poor, the blind, the lame to enter this banquet or to come because they don't have the same distractions that the first three guys had. They're not, they're not carried away by those worldly things in a sense. Um, similar, it reminds me of the story of it's much easier for a poor man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a rich man. Not that it's bad to be rich, but I think there's some truth in that. Um, And the other thing that I really appreciate about this is it just shows the graciousness of the master. um, Because there's no way for these these poor, maimed, blind, lame people to repay him. Um, And it's it's a really beautiful parallel when you think about, in the same way salvation is free, um, to all, to anyone, and both Jews and Gentiles, um, because of the price that Jesus paid. Um, and um, another interesting thought that I had on this um, was that it's just interesting that the master keeps extending the invitation. First he invites the three, then he extends it to um, to go out into the streets, then he extends it to the highways and the lanes. And every time it just shows shows how the master isn't satisfied with just a partially, partially filled banquet. You know, he doesn't just say, oh, well, the three guys that I invited can't come. Eh, we'll just have a few people here and call it good. Um, I think of that when I, like, when I have maybe a celebration or a party at my house. Um, you know, if people at the last minute text me and say, hey, sorry, I can't make it, like, I've already planned it. I've already bought the food. I've already made, you know, cleaned and prepared and everything. I'm not just going to say, oh, well, let's just, let's just have two people here. And, I mean, sometimes that's okay. But, um, you know, I'd probably text some more people, hey, are you coming? You know, can you come? Like, I, you want people to come. And it's just neat to see the master in this situation. Um, he keeps extending the invitation, and he's not satisfied with just having part, it partially filled. Um, He wants every place at the table to be filled. Um, And as I was studying this, uh, John MacArthur's comment on this fact was that God is more willing to save sinners than sinners are to be saved sometimes. And I found that very interesting, just how we serve a gracious God who wants all of us to come to him, um, sometimes more so than we are willing to come to him. So then in the final, final two verses here, verse 23 and 24, um, so the master told the slave, go out into the highways and lanes and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those men who are invited will enjoy my banquet. Um, this is one of, one of the neatest parts of this, this last passage is the command to go out into the highways and lanes it's not carried out in the parable. Because I was reading this and I was thinking, well, it kind of ends abruptly. Like, I don't, he doesn't say whether or not the people from the highways and the lanes come in. And um, I think there's purpose behind that. Um, it's not carried out or mentioned in this parable. Um, he kind of leaves it open for a reason. Um, and I think the reason being is that that invitation is still open, it's still open to us today, and redemption is still going on. Um, and so that's super encouraging that he doesn't just cut it off. Oh, well, the people from the highways and lanes came in. Cool. The banquet's done. No, like the invitation is still out here. Um, and um, just in looking at this and in light of this, the master is given a free invitation, um, but it won't be open forever. Um, there is finality to God's judgment and even though he is a gracious and just God and he wants all of us to come to him I, uh, in studying this I've just been realizing kind of the seriousness of this um, and the gravity that there is there will be a day when he'll cut off that invitation and say okay no more um, and it's just neat to think that one day Jesus is going to come back and we're going to have the biggest banquet that we can ever even imagine, ever even dream of, bigger than, um, than we can see in Scripture and bigger than we can even imagine. Um, and I, this, this brings to mind, I guess, the verse in Revelation um, 3.20. If you guys want to turn there with me, Revelation 3.20... says so be committed and repent listen I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and have dinner with him and he with me Um, this just makes me think of this passage with I will come into him and have dinner with him and we will dine together and um, thinking of when the Lord does return and when we do have the final banquet with him um, it is just—it's super neat to see that uh, that the Lord wa- the Lord wants us to celebrate, but He also um, He also will cut off that invitation. So we all have been given that invitation, but um, there will come a day when that will no longer be available to some of, to all of us. Um, it was interesting to see that. Um, the absence at the banquet that is coming is going to be due to a rejection of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And when I was thinking through this, I mean, it just really hit me that um, there, are many of, there are many of us who have been invited. Like, some of you in this room have been invited. Maybe all of you. I hope that all of, all of you have. Um, we've heard God's invitation and been invited to his banquet. Um, but how often do we use lame excuses um, to not, or to refuse to come to Christ. Um, I think it's very easy to do that even without realizing it sometimes. Um, And for me, when thinking about this, I want to be at the Lord's banquet. I want to be at the final banquet with everyone else um, and with with Jesus in the end. Um, And I think we can have assurance of that if we do accept his invitation wholeheartedly, but um, I guess my my plea to you would be anyone who rejects Jesus will never experience the celebration of God that he's prepared and um, the, the neat thing about this is that the gospel is Jesus' invitation um, with the master when he sent out his invitation um, in this parable we see how the three men reject it and um, he keeps extending that, and the Lord has given us that same invitation, and it's his gospel. Um, it's the fact that Jesus died for our sins. And um, So I guess I just encourage you gals to think about this as, as you go forward in your week, as you go forward in your evening. Um, take a look at maybe what excuses you might make um, that will ultimately exclude you, either from exclude you from the greatest opportunity that you've been given, or even for those of you who, um, who have accepted Christ and who are planning on going to that banquet, um, even just the excuses that are keeping you from being more Christ-like um, or serving him more and more um, as you grow in him. Um, and then just after, after verse 24, as it goes into 25, just kind of the following text um, it speaks of the cost of following Jesus. And just the fact that you cannot be consumed by two masters. You, you cannot want to follow the world and follow Christ. Um, it makes me think of in Matthew where it talks about you cannot serve two masters. And um, I know in my life this has been hard too. Just it's, it's hard to say, oh, I'm a Christian. But I also, um, it's hard to say no to some of the things that the world offers. Even though maybe they're not horrible. But... Um, realizing that you can't ride the fence post. You can't. You have to commit one way or the other. You have to make a choice. And that's been something that the Lord has been working on my heart with as well um, lately. So I would just encourage you guys to think about that. Um, you know, think about the, the decisions you're making, the little choices that um, are they reflecting Christ? Are they leading, pushing you and others towards Christ more and more each day? Or are they causing you to kind of read the ride the fence post and, have one foot in the world and one foot in with the Lord um, so I think that's, that's kind of all that I have for this evening but um, just take a few minutes I don't know if you used your outline there's a few questions at the bottom just to think about and maybe we'll take three, three or four minutes and just go ahead and jot down if you want to your answers for those um, think about them and um, then in about three minutes I'll close us to pray for us father god we just um we come before you tonight and lord we we thank you for your word um lord i thank you that you have given us your word and you have uh, given us instruction and um, lord that we're not left in this life to um to be alone or to aimlessly find our way lord but that you you are here and you have given us um guidelines for living, living the Christian life, Lord. Um, Father, I just pray for each one of the women in this room, um, Lord, as we, as we go about our weeks and our activities and um, the things we are daily involved with, Lord, I ask that you would um, give us consistency in our walk with you, Lord, and help us to live out our lives for you um, boldly and with confidence in you, Lord. Father, I ask that we would not make excuses for not following you or for just being selfish or lazy with our time, Lord. Um, Father, thank you for the fact that you are a gracious master, Lord, and that you do extend the invitation to all of us, Lord, and that you want us to come and to dine with you, Lord, and to have fellowship with you. Father, I just pray that we would be responsible with that on our end and be responsive to your request. And um, Lord, choose to, to follow our lives fully around you, Father. Um, may others see that in us. And Lord, I pray that we would do that with joy. Um, Lord, that you would give us a joy that is unlike anything in this world and that others would see that and and see that our lives are different because of you, Christ. Um, Father, thank you for this evening. We pray all these things in your name. And um, amen.